0: You can start that CD too. Um, we're going to get started on a new series tonight. We finished up the feasts of the Lord last week, and uh, and just I really just felt impressed um, as I was, you know, because in, in that series on the feast of the Lord, it brought out a lot of, um, you know, we talked about how that the the first four feast uh, had been fulfilled in, in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, the, and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Then we came to the three fall feast, which was the trumpets, atonement, and tabernacles. And how that those three feasts were yet to be fulfilled, and it was a picture, I believe, um, or you know, the sign and the the shadow and and uh, of the of the of the three things that 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 have yet to happen for us, which would be the rapture, the tribulation period, and then the millennial reign, and uh, and you know, so in doing that, we touched on those, but we didn't really we want, we weren't able to go in detail in those, and I just really wanted to. Um, to kind of back up and and go back over those things again and and where we can hit them in depth because it's something that uh, you don't hear a lot of teaching Um, I I mean I don't know I mean you know and I know we've had brother Joseph in the last three years and uh, and he's taught on those but besides him you know I, I don't I don't really hear a lot of teaching in the the circles that I listen to about the rapture and the tribulation period and the millennial reign and things like that so um, you know, so I just I just felt in my spirit that it would be good for us to go back and and to kind of hit those and listen to those and and, uh, and or, or learn about those I should say and learn about uh, you know look at them in depth take our time and not rush through them you know when when Brother Joseph is here I don't know you know if you're like me uh, you know he gives so much information man I mean you know you could take you could take one one of his messages and I could probably preach. A month on it, I mean, it's incredible how much information he gives, you know. So, um, so with that being said, I just, I just really felt like that we would uh, spend some time on, on the, on the, the, those three subjects, which is the rapture, the tribulation period, and the millennial reign, and you know, because that is the, that is what is on the, what is on God's calendar for us, and it's the next things that we will encounter, the next things that we're going to go through. Um, I'm, I wanted to, I wanted to play this. This is um, Joseph Morris. And it's the end of day's update, and I hope that we, I hope it will play. It don't look like it, it's, uh, it, it may, um, if, if, it's, if it buffers too much, we may not be able to play this. But let's try this and see. And tomorrow, uh, we'll see, we'll see we we're coming can to you this. every week to look at
1: the different things that point to the coming of the Lord, specifically uh, the Ezekiel 38 signs, because that happens right after the rapture of the church. You know, the second coming has sign after sign after sign, but the rapture is signless. So if we can look at what happens right after the rapture, we can tell we're very close to the rapture of the church. So we're so blessed. You remember, uh, we're getting into this so that it brings great joy and great hope. I had a guy say one time, well, if you preach on the coming of the Lord, Joe, it'll get everybody's hopes up. That's exactly right. So we get into all this stuff to not have an escape theology, but have an accelerated mentality to do the will of God in a short period of time. Stuff's happening every single week that doesn't really get reported a lot in America in different parts of the world. But we look at the things that are pointing to his return. Many, many, many things are happening. So let's pick up what's happened this last week in in Israel. Wow, specifically the big thing, Jerusalem, the Temple Mount. Just said there was some rioting over the Golden Gate where the Palestinians were going to get through. It got opened up the other day. Well, I love that a group of Israelis got together this last week and said, you know what? It's time for a synagogue to be on the Temple Mount. Now, (laughs) this is probably one of those things where all hell will break loose because this is what the Bible said. Jerusalem will be a cup of trembling for all nations. And you know, there's four mosques on the Temple Mount, Islamic mosques, but the Jews can't even pray on the Temple Mount. So this last week, there's a massive push to have a synagogue on the Temple Mount. Now, this is a precursor to what's going to happen when the temple's rebuilt, because right after the rapture of the church, they're going to build a makeshift temple, and they're going to start having sacrifices. So we're very close to that, because this last April, they dedicated the altar of the sacrifice and last year, they got arrested for doing it. This year, they did not get arrested. So things are all pointing to what's going to happen right after we're gone. Everybody gets mad at me when I say this. Do we have any more time? Yeah, we have some time. I believe there's a little bit of time left uh, for harvest to come in. So, But if you're seeing everything that leads up to what happens after we're here, we need to lift up our heads. Our redemption is about to draw nigh. And we get into this so that we'll have joy and lift up our heads and not be downtrodden. So... Uh, Other things that happened on the southern border of Israel, you had in Gaza more balloon bombs. Crazy. Palestinians keep having all these balloons. I saw the pictures of it again. Just absolutely insane. Well, Israel did six. Uh, flights into Gaza bombing those targets, so they're retaliating. But eventually, that's going to have to come to a halt because there was tons of rioting the last three or four days, right there on the border. The Palestinians tried to rise up, and they're wanting more money. Remember how Qatar was giving them 25 million? Well, America gives the Palestinians 800 million. The U. N. The the E. U. gives them 600 million. So there's been a squeeze on their money, so they're actually acting a little wilder. So. It is interesting that the the peace plan that's coming, even Jared Kushner talked about the Palestinian state, that the borders are going to be drawn up. It's kind of bizarre that that's even happening. So I brought up his name because this last week, uh, Jared Kushner met with the president of Turkey, trying to convince them to buy F-35s instead of having Russian S-400 defense missile systems all over Turkey. And Turkey's a big deal. Jared Kushner talked them into having a Turkish buffer on the northern part of Syria because in the middle of all this happening, you had Assad from Syria fly up and meet with Tehran, and you had three regiments of Iranian troops on the border of Israel yesterday. So after all those meetings happened, uh, Iran responded by saying, okay, we're going to line up on the border of Israel. This is what they publicly said. We're going to invade the Gulf." In the middle of that, you have Netanyahu meeting with Russia's Prime Minister Putin. They are going to form a commission to have a group of people that try to get all these other entities out of Syria. Now, they say that, but we'll see if that happens because Russia is letting Iranian troops come down as close as they can at the edge of the border. So you're seeing the setup for World War III right there. Now, in the middle of that, we send over our TADS. it's called a FAD system. It's terminal high uh, altitude defense system that's been put down in the southern part of Israel. That's the first time ever. That's a high level def- missile defense system that's from America, that's in Israel right now. Why would they do that? Because they're anticipating Iran firing missiles at Israel. Remember the new missiles that came out the other day that we said and Israel said we can't defend Israel with that these are fired from Iran, they keep a low altitude. So you're seeing all these things that. point To the coming of the Lord. There's so much weird anti Semitism happening. You had the graves that were defaced in France. Uh, near Strasbourg this last week. Again, there's more of those happening. You have bizarre anti-Semitism happening even in our Congress, so it looks like there's going to be a little pressure on those people for acting like that and thinking like that, but these are all precursors to what's going to happen after we leave. There's many, many other things happening with China, happening with war trying to break out with Taiwan, many things happening with Russia. Russia's doing the craziest stuff they can do in the Black Sea as far as uh, airplanes flying, again, without transponders so that they can be provocative. So, you're watching the setup for the coming of the Lord. So what do we do every week? We look at the signs. Israel made a nation. Jerusalem went back. Hebrew language restored. Ethiopian Jews brought back. you got the fertility of the land of Israel. Amazing. They have 172 different species of predatory birds start showing up in the land. So you've got all these uh, facets ready. Russia in Crimea. Russia in the Ukraine. Russia all over Syria because that's the setup for the Ezekiel thirty-eight war, man. You got fish showing up in the Dead Sea. You got the red heifer that was born. Uh, our pets' heads are falling off. Don't. <laughs> That's from Dumb and Dumber. But I mean, you got all this stuff happening that Jesus said you'd see right before He returns. So you go from all the signs. Men will be loving themselves. Selfie sticks. You go from that to having signals. Blood red moons on Passover and Tyreanacles. Four in a row. When's the last time you had that? 1967 when Jerusalem was won back. 1948 when Israel's made a nation. 1492 when the Jews kicked out of Spain. So you're seeing signals the Bethlehem star last year. Mercury do fly by the sun. Went down directly over the Temple Mount at sundown. So you have all these things. There's many, many more. You've got March 20th this month. You've got another supermoon on the day of Purim for Israel. So all these supermoons happening on uh, uh, Trump's midpoint of his presidency. All these wolf moons. All this stuff. God's screaming from the heavens. There's change coming. What is that change? Jesus is about to come back. So what do we do? Help our local church. Help our local pastor. Get the message out. It's all all hands on deck. Everything the Lord has for you to do, this is your hour to be obedient and to go for it. This is not the time to kind of chill. This is the time to be all in. Why? We're about to see the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What a wonderful blessing to be the generation that uh, the entrance of the king into the earth. How cool is that? Jesus of Nazareth coming so soon. Hey, come back next week and we'll pick up what's happening. Many more little things to keep happening. Earthquakes, different things to keep happening that I don't have time to get into. But we're about to see him face to face. Have a blessed awesome week. We'll see you next week,
0: Talk fast. Yeah, you know, every week, um, every week that he, I mean, you know, he comes out and it's amazing when you see these things uh, unfolded right before our eyes. You know, all the different things that he's, that he talks about are things that, you know, I, I was in studying. This is interesting because I came across a uh, I came across a, a phrase, a phrase I should say, that, that really jumped out at me, and it was this: is that the day of the rapture, the moment of the rapture, will be the same moment that the wrath of God starts to be poured out. In other words, you know, and, and we're, we'll look at these scriptures. We're not; we probably won't get to this one tonight. But you know, the Bible tells us that that there is a restraining force upon the earth right now that's keeping that spirit of the Antichrist from from doing what he wants to do you know because the spirit of the antichrist was actually the spirit of the antichrist is alive and well in the in the earth right now and it, it even even back in paul's day he said that the spirit of the antichrist was working then so that spirit has been working for you know for however long uh, but you know the the antichrist himself you know will not be revealed until until, I believe, until the restraining force, which, which I believe is the church. I believe, you know, talking about that dominion and authority we have, I believe we are the restraining force that's withholding, that's holding back the power of the Antichrist. But now just imagine, just for a second, think about, think about in the natural. If you have a dam, you know, like, a, like Hoover Dam or, you know, one of these big dams that hold large, a large body of water back, Think about what would happen if you just all of a sudden somebody put a bomb on that thing and blew that dam up. You know, all the force behind it would be released, <clears throat> and it would—I mean, it would come rushing. That water would come rushing down through there. Well, I believe that's what's going to happen when the church is removed. I believe that the force of the Antichrist is just going to be is going to be wide open, and there's nothing that's going to be able to restrain it. And you know, and the first, uh, you know, the the and I'm getting way ahead of myself, but the 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 order of things that will happen, the the rapture will happen, <clears throat> and then you have the tribulation period, which is divided into the Bible talks about in Daniel and in other places, the 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 tribulation period, which is the seven years <clears throat> that that uh, that God still owes the Jewish people, and you know for the and actually I tell you what let's well. ah Let's see how I want to do this. Turn to Daniel. Let's let's turn to Daniel, because I I say that so much, and um, and I want to show you this scripture. Let's turn to Daniel. And let's look at Daniel chapter 9. Because this is really... um, You know, this scripture, along with the scripture in Ezekiel 38-39... Uh, and then, of course, you have, I mean, there's scriptures in Isaiah, Zechariah, I mean, there's all kinds of Old Testament scriptures that, that point to this, but this is one, to me, this is one of the main scriptures that that reveal to us uh, very, I think, very clearly about the, you know, about the tribulation period and about, um, you know, how, about the rapture and, and how we, you know, how I don't believe that the church will be here. Now, you know what, tonight basically is just going to be an introduction, okay, because because there's so much things we can look at. Because there's four, really, there's four, maybe even five now, main views of the end times. <clears throat> you have your traditional ones that have been around forever, I mean, which is the pre-trib, pre-tribulation rapture. You have people that believe in mid-tribulation rapture. Um, and just as a, I guess I had to describe this. The, the pre-trib is just meaning that people believe that the rapture will happen before the tribulation period starts you know there's people there's people that believe, for example, like right now i I was reading some stuff on the internet there's a There's a group of people that believe that we're in the middle of the tribulation period right now. they think that like we're already in the fifth seal has been opened and we're we're like all the way up to the fifth seal you know in the in the tribulation period i mean and, you know and you just kind of shake your head at that and thinking you know that's not the same what 's not the same thing i'm reading you know but but there's different you know different people have different beliefs and and some of them, you know, when, when you talk to people, you can, you know, they use different scriptures and they pull scriptures, they pull one scripture out and compare it to another scripture and, and, you know, that's the reason it's so important, guys. You know, the Bible says that we have to rightly divide the Word of God. And if the scripture tells us that we, that we have to rightly divide it, what does that tell us? That it can be wrongly divided. You know, that people can, people can twist scripture, people can take it and, and listen, you can find a scripture to say almost anything you want to say. I mean, you know, you can pull a scripture out of context and, and come up with some weird doctrines, I mean, you know, and weird things. So, so I'm, we'll, we will go through, I'm going to go through these, and, and, and I'll talk about the, their beliefs and why they believe that, just so you will know. But I'll just, just up front, I've believed this um, pretty much my whole life as long as I've been studying, um, you know, end-time stuff. And, and to be honest with you, I, was, I used to be scared of end-time stuff. I wouldn't even read the. I wouldn't even. I didn't even like to open my Bible to Revelation because it scared me, man. Seven seven headed monsters and you know locusts. You know, lo, I'm just man. All these descriptions of all these things in Revelation, man. I was like, man, that is freaky, you know. But once once you start understanding it, you understand. You know, listen. The very first verse of Revelation. Uh, if you read in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, verse, the first verse or 2, it says, Blessed is he that readeth the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, you know, when you read Revelation and study it, the Bible says you will be blessed. Because as a Christian, I mean, it's, it's you know, listen, the rapture of the church is not the hope of the world. As a matter of fact, the rapture of the church is really going to be a, a sad day for the world because it's going to release the power of the Antichrist. You know, now the, the rapture of the church is, is a good hope for us as Christians because we know that he's going to come and, you know, rapture us or come get us, so to speak. Uh, but, I, but I have always believed, and i would always been taught, you know, through the, my growing up, um, in the pre-tribulation rapture. That's the way I've always believed. Um, so then you have, which means that that I believe that before the tribulation period starts, that Jesus is coming back for his church. And and then as, you know, and like I said, just as soon as the church is raptured, the tribulation period will start, and it'll be seven years divided into two portions, two three and a half uh, year periods. The first three and a half years will be pretty bad. But the second three and a half years is, is what's called the great tribulation. You know, which meaning that, if you thought the first half was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet, you know, to the, to, the des, to the destruction and the desolation in the second three and a half. So you have the, you have, you know, the, and to be honest with you, the pre-trib view is probably being under, under attack more now than ever. You know, because uh, I believe because the enemy, I believe it's because the enemy don't want people to be ready for the coming of the Lord. You know, and, and you know, so, so he's doing everything he can do to get everybody to think. And I want to show you a scripture tonight that even back in Peter's day, Peter even said, you know, the scoffers and mockers are saying, you know, well, I've heard that my whole life. Where is, where is this Lord coming back? You know, that was all the way back then. And if that was true then, how much more true is it today? You know, but then you have the mid-trib uh, rapture people that believe that like in the middle of the tribulation at the three and a half year mark that Jesus will come back and get the church uh, mid-trib before the great tribulation and they have different scriptures that they use for that then you have some people that believe post-trib which they believe that um, you know they believe that that Jesus that the church will have to stay through the whole tribulation period and Jesus will come at the end of the tribulation period and rapture the church. Um, I like what Perry Stone calls it, the, he calls it the U-turn the, the, the U-turn theology because the Bible says that, you know, we're, that he's going to come, we're going to be we're, we're going to go up with him in the air and then another scripture says we're going to come back with him at the end of the tribulation period. So Perry, Perry Stone always says that those who believe in post Trib, post-trib rapture, you know, we just go up and get changed and come right back down. So U-turn, you, you know, and come up. and We go up with him and then we come right back down with him, you know. So that was kind of that one's kind of to me is kind of I, I don't really understand why people why people believe that one. But now and then there's two more that people people believe. Uh, they call it like the pre-rath tri- the pre wrath rapture, which means th- that's like kind of they believe somewhere like in six years into the tribulation that that. Uh, that jesus is going to come rapture his church that's kind of a newer a newer thought and then there's another one that believes um i can't even remember what the name of that other one is now i didn't write it down Um, anyway that's that's the the main ones that was the, the three main ones are your pre mid and post tribulation and then the pre wrath is right right in there with those with those other ones. But but from my standpoint, I believe I believe I'm very strong in believing that that uh, in the pre-trib rapture. And and I'll I'll show you, share scripture with you to prove that. So let's look here in Daniel chapter nine because we talk about this about why is there a tribulation? What's up with the seven years? And um and just as an introduction, and we we'll probably come back and study this a little bit deeper. But but let's just read this and get this kind of set up here. In uh Daniel chapter nine, verse one, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of uh Jesus, the the seed of the of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I Daniel, understood by books the number of years. Now, so what Daniel was saying, what happened with Daniel here, if you understand, Daniel got to the point where he where he started thinking, you know, He's, God started showing him, okay, there's got to be a reason why we're in captivity. There's got to be a reason why God has left us in captivity and why we're here. So Daniel went back to the books. <clears throat> in other words, he went back to the history books. He went back to possibly even Scripture, the, you know, the, the, early, the, early, the early scrolls, and he, and he started understanding why, why God put them in captivity. So he said he went back to the books, And he said he understood by the books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. So what happened was this. This is what Daniel understood. God told the children of Israel that every seventh year they were to give the land a rest. It was the Sabbath year. You know, they could plant crops for six years. On the seventh year... They had to they had to not plant crops and God had told them on the sixth year he would provide extra food for them to where they you know they wouldn't starve that seventh year, they would have plenty of food. Well they started fudging on that. They started planting they started planting food on that seventh year. They did that for four hundred and ninety years. So so finally God finally got to the point where he said, That's fine, but he said, But you're gonna pay me back those seventy years that I told you not to plant not to plant on the land. So he put them in captivity for four hundred and ninety years. And and when you go through, and you'll see when you go through, when Daniel figured this out and Daniel saw this, they were right there at the they were right there at the point of like four hundred and and like four hundred and seventy some years, four hundred and eighty some years that Daniel figured this out. And now go down to um, let's go skip down to verse twenty. Uh, let's see. Let's skip down to verse 20. The same chapter, chapter 9. Daniel said this, and he said, And while I was speaking and praying, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of evening oblation. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. At the beginning of thy supplication the commandment came forth, and I came up to show thee, for thou wert greatly beloved. therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Now he's getting ready to tell him about this, and he's and and if we count the weeks here, you'll you know, I'll come back and help you do this. But notice what he said here in the next three or four verses. He says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon this holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of the sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So, so Gabriel told Daniel, he said, he said, so 70 years is what you owe, is what Israel owes God to, to pay for the sins of the, of the land. And so he says, "...know therefore," verse 23, or verse 25, he says, "...know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks, and threescore and two weeks, the street shall be built again, and the wall even in troublous times." And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince shall come down, or shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of that week, he shall cause sacrifice and oblation to cease for overspreading of the abominations. He shall make it desolate even unto the even to the consumption, and the determined shall be poured and and the determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So now, so here you have the forty nine forty nine years was would be the seven weeks, seven times you know the seven times. Uh, let me think, let me let me get back and say that the, yeah the seven times seventy would be four hundred and ninety years okay so so it was seven weeks and because you have to remember in other places he said that that uh, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day right with the Lord so so what he's referring here to he he's considering um, he's talking about here he says that for for four hundred and thirty four years that's the sixty two weeks that he talked about there the three score and and uh, the three score and two weeks the sixty two weeks from the rebuilding of the temple to Jesus crucifixion and if you go back and count this up now this it was it was exactly sixty two weeks. It was exactly the the exact amount of time from the time that the from the from the re, uh, rebuilding of the temple to Jesus' crucifixion, it was exactly this amount of time. So there was seven years left there was one week uh, there was so there were sixty two weeks there was one more week left that was not accounted for and that one week that is left is what is called the tribulation period and here's here's why that is now listen you have to there's other scriptures you can put together this and we'll look at this but i'm just giving you a, a summary of it tonight as you look at this here's here's what here's what happens you know jesus when he died on the cross he provided he provided all of the. Uh, he provided for all the judgment, all the all of our uh, sins, all of all of our uh, condemnation, and everything Jesus took care of. So for you and I, and all of the wrath of God for all of our sins, Jesus took care of on the cross. That's the reason that if for believers we will not have to go through the tribulation period because if if we went through the tribulation period and the wrath of God was poured out on us again then that would be like him paying us twice for something that, you know, us having to pay twice for something that Jesus already paid for. And so the, so the seventh week, the, 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 seven, the one week that was yet to be paid for, for, you know, that the nation of Israel has not paid for, after the church is raptured, is going to be the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the nation of Israel. For that, for that, is going to be payment for that time. Now, there's, there's different things in the tribulation period that you have to see because there's, there's not only the wrath of God, but also the Bible says, now we use this term all the time. We say Satan knows his time is short. Yeah, how many of y'all have ever heard that? But really, there's only one place in the scripture that says that, and it is at the, at the midpoint of the tribulation. At the second half of the tri- the, great tri- or in the, in the great tribulation, the second half of the tribulation, when the Bible says that Satan enters into the Antichrist, it says that he enters into the Antichrist and his wrath is poured out because he knows his time is short. So actually, right now, Satan doesn't think his time's short. I mean, he thinks he's got all the time in the world. But it's not until he realizes that things are wrapping up. And, and that the church is gone, that he realizes, that he comes to the realization, I don't have much time left, I've got to get this done. And his wrath is going to be poured out, Satan's wrath will be poured out on the, on the righteous. There's going to be, going to be uh, probably one of the greatest, there will probably be more people saved after the, after the church is raptured than there were before. Because if you could just imagine if the people all the think about all the people that are in church that aren't truly born again. When they wake up one day and realize, man, the church is gone. You know, the the, the whole left behind series, I bet people will they'll raid libraries by or looking for the left behind series to see what they're supposed to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, because because what happens in those left behind series? Uh, everybody runs to the church, right? And there's pastors that still that didn't get raptured. You know, there's people that are there, and and you know, so there will be Christians. There will be there will be people that are born again that you know after the tribulation or after the church leaves. But there are also going to be a lot of people martyred for their beliefs. That's where the sign of the beast comes in. That's where the uh, all this stuff where you have to you know you have to um, pay homage to the Antichrist. And we'll get into all of that during the tribulation period when we talk about that. But first we're talking about the rapture of the church, okay? But but I wanted you to see the you know, so what I'm saying in that, the reason I told you that tonight was this, was because the church, we, you and I, as Christians, as men and women of God, we don't have to we don't have to receive the wrath of God for that for that seven years, you know, that during the tribulation period. At, for a believer, if you believe in the 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 uh, qualification for, for a person to go up in the rapture is to be a believer, is, is to have a relationship with Jesus, to be looking for His coming, and to be ready when He comes. You know, there's all kinds of things. Now, Joseph Morris talks about this a lot, and, and this, is what, this is where you have people that, that really um, will argue about the rapture because the word rapture does not appear in the Bible. But now listen to this, you, because people say that all the time. Oh, well, the word rapture don't even appear. Well, the word trinity don't appear. But yet we believe in the trinity, don't we? You know, actually, there's a couple, you know, the word demon doesn't appear in the Bible. In the English version. But yet we all know that there's Demons. You know, there's uh, there's just what I'm saying is this. There's just other words that are used and other phrases that are used. As a matter of fact, the word rapture. A lot of people think it came from a vision that like a 11 year old girl had like back in the 1800s or something like that. But really and truly, that's not true because the word rapture is in the Latin Bible. Saint Joseph, when he when he translated the the Bible to Latin in the in First Thessalonians, where it says that where it, where it talks about being caught up. Uh, he translated that in the in the uh, Latin Bible as rapt or rapto or and that's the word where we get our word rapture. So you know people say that that the rapture is just a uh, something that was made up you know hundreds of years later, but that's not true because it's it's just used as a different term. As a matter of fact, let's look at uh, let's turn to First Thessalonians, and this is one of the classic um, scriptures about the the res or the rapture. 1 Thessalonians verse, or chapter 4 and verse 16 and 17. Actually, we'll go just go up to verse 13. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13. And like I said, I'm just giving you a, just an overview here real quick. Because I've got to go one other place and I want to read something the Lord told me to read to you before we leave tonight. Uh, verse 13 says this. 1 Thessalonians four, thirteen. He says this. Paul talking to the church. Now, let me just say this about Thessalonians. Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, was the first book that Paul wrote. It was the first letter that Paul wrote. Now, if if Paul, in his very first letter to the very first church that he wrote to, you know, you would think that he would be talking about you know, growing up in Christ and, and your identity and who you are and, and different things like that. But if you read 1 Thessalonians... Almost the whole book is about the coming of Jesus Christ, and the reason being is because they thought at this time they thought that they were in the tribulation period they thought that that you know that they were they thought that Jesus was going was to come back any day and you know and people and people down through the years have thought that but and i 'll show you some scripture next week. Where we where we talk that that not until our generation, actually the people like before nineteen sixty seven, nineteen forty-eight and nineteen sixty-seven, before that time frame when Israel when Jerusalem was won back and when Israel became a nation again, um, you know, until those two things happened, Jesus couldn't come back. And, you know, because the, the the nation or the Jews had to be gathered back into Jerusalem before Jesus could come back. And before those two events happened, there, there was, you know, there, the Jews were scattered around the world, but now when when that happened in 1967, when when Israel became a nation again, I think there was like 80,000 Jews living in Jerusalem. Today, there's more Jews living in Jerusalem than in any other any other country of the world. I mean, there's more Jews in in Israel, in the in the nation of Israel, than there are that live in America. Or that live in any other nation. In other words, what what's happening is this: the Jewish people are all going back to Israel, and that is just another sign of the time. Because at the at the second coming, and, and when Jesus comes back, and, at the tribulation period, and all of this, the the whole nation, all of the Jews have to be drawn back to their home to their home base, so to speak. And so that's happened right in our lifetime. We've seen those things happen, and we've seen the Jewish. We've seen the Jewish population in Israel just skyrocket. And that's one of the one of the definite signs of the time. So here in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 13 it says this. Paul talking to the church and like I said this was his first letter writing back to the church here and, and he says this, but I would have I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So here, even even you know, even in this the very first stages of of the church growing, they were still sorrowful when people died. You know, and and what Paul told them was this: We don't sorrow like other people sorrow, because we have a hope of seeing them again. That's the reason we still say that today. We don't. We don't. Uh, you know, we don't sorrow like the world does when, when someone passes away, especially, especially when we know that they're Christian. Why? Because we know that we'll see them again. Now, yeah, we're still sorrowful and we're still, it still hurts and we still mourn. That's not what he's saying, but he's just saying that there's a hope that we have. The world has no hope, but we do. Verse 14, he goes on to say this, "...for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again..." even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So see, here he's talking about the second coming. He said, when Jesus comes back, God will bring those that are already asleep. In other words, those that have died, God will bring them back with him. And says, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the, unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself. Now, here is, you know, um, the majority of what you read in the in the, you know, about about things like this is talking about the second coming. Like even the scripture where it says that God will bring them back. Well, that is talking about the second coming. What is what does is, uh, Joseph say about that? He said that the the second coming is has you know more signs than anything, but the the rapture is signless. But we know the time of it because when the and and we'll look at this next week again probably too. When the disciples asked Jesus, "When will these things happen?" What did Jesus? Jesus didn't start talking about the rapture. What he started talking about was the second coming and the tribulation period. And what he was saying is, when you see these things start to happen, then get ready because you know the kingdom is is not. You know, so here, so he goes on to say this in verse sixteen. Paul says this. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. So there's three things that will happen there. There will be a shout, the voice, of a, uh, the voice of the archangel, and then the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That verse, in verse 17, that word caught up there is the same word. That the word caught up is actually the word uh, harpazo, and here's what that word means. It means to seize, to pluck, to catch away, to take by force, or to snatch out of a danger of danger's way. And that is the very word that Saint Joseph, when he translated it into Latin, he translated that word called up as rapture. So he said that you know that first the dead in Christ, the the dead that that you know were were Christians, will rise first. And then we that are alive, when he comes back, we will be raptured or caught up or seized up or snatched away or whatever words you want to use. We're going to be caught up with them in the air. They get just a little bit of head start because they're in the ground. It's not, like, you know, we're going to, it's not like they're going to go up and we're going to sit here and watch them for three minutes go up. No, they're going to go up first and then before we even realize what's happening, we're out of here too. And we meet them in the air with Jesus, and then we go, we go on up to heaven, and for the mayor, for the, for the, uh, mayor's supper of the lamb, and, and for the reward seat, the burma seat, the judgment seat of, of God, and, and all of that happens during the tribu- while the tribulation period is, is going on down here on the earth. And so, so he says, he says, those that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then look at verse 18. He says this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So in other words, the teachings of the, of the rapture of the church and the second coming, and now, now let me just make sure you understand that too. The rapture, the rapture and the second coming are two different events. It's not the same thing. At the rapture, Jesus is going to appear in the sky, but his feet won't touch the ground. The second coming is when he comes back with us. We will be with him in the second coming, and and we'll come back at the second coming. And he'll he'll place his foot on the Mount of Olives and on the and on the uh, uh, the, the Mount there and, and in Israel. And his feet will touch the ground, and there'll be a uh, you know the earth will split right into there. And I mean you know so in the second coming he actually he actually comes back to the earth. In the rapture he's just up in the air and we go to meet him in the rapture. But he says comfort each other with these words. So these these should be comforting words to us and it should be exciting times for us as we learn about as we learn about the coming of the Lord in the rapture of the church. Now turn with me just real quick to um to 2nd Peter and I want to read this chapter with you here because I think this is important as I was studying this this week um, and just going back over my notes the Lord just he he emphasized this scripture to me and um you know, and, and just I just felt like we needed to read this. <clears throat> there's four things that, there's four major things, and I, I was going to say this is the very first thing and I forgot. But there's four major things that most people can agree upon, whether, regardless, if, if you're a Christian and you believe you're a Bible student, you believe the Word, there's four major things that we can agree on. People just disagree on the timing of some of these things. But the four things that we agree on is basically this, that most Christians can agree on. Number one is that the Lord is returning. He's coming back. Number two is that there's going to be a tribulation period. You know, there's coming a time of great distress. Now, like I said, some people believe that the church will go through half of it. Some people believe the church will go through all of it. Uh, You know, I believe and, and you know, um, I believe that that we'll be raptured before the tribulation period. Now, and just let me say this. You know, if you believe one of if if you don't believe in pre-trib, if you, if you're one that believes mid-trib or post-trib, you know what? We can get along. It, I mean, that's not a game changer. You know, I'll just I'll just wave at you as I'm going up and say, "See you later, enjoy." You know, and in three and a half years or seven years, I'll say, "Hey, how'd that work out for you?" You know, but I'm I'm going I'm going on the first bus, right? So so you know so the Lord is returning. Uh, there is there is coming a tribulation period. Uh, you know, a time of trouble that, that Jesus talked about and the prophets talked about. Um, there's coming a time th- the return of the Lord will come back to rule and reign on the earth again. And that's during the millennial reign. And, and you know, like I said, most people uh, have no problem with that. And then the fourth thing is that that God will set up a new heaven and a new earth. And that's where, that's where we will live in eternity. Um, those four things are pretty well... Um, you know, most people can agree on those without much dispute, other than just the timing of it. And hopefully, as we look at scripture, um, as we look through scripture, we're gonna we're gonna dissect and see why we believe. You know, one of the things that I tell my kids all the time, and we've raised Stacy and I've raised Joshua and Noah like this, is because you know we you know we're spirit filled, we're we're Pentecostal, we're full gospel, whatever whatever you want to label us, you know. And, we, you know, we homeschooled our kids. Our kids were in elementary in public school for a while, and then we, we homeschooled for a few years. And then, um, you know, during the high school years, we put, we put them in um, a Christian school here in town. And we knew, uh, and the Christian school is a great school. I mean, great people. They love the Lord. But, you know, but they do come from a pretty much as a Baptist school. And we knew putting them in a Baptist school that they would be, there would probably be some things that, that they would teach that we didn't believe that we believe differently. You know, now salvation wasn't one of those, uh, you know, the, the, the main doctrines w- weren't the issue. You know, I mean, we knew, but we knew like tongues would be an issue. We knew that being led by the Spirit and, and hearing the voice of God and things like that because, you know, most denominational people don't believe in that. Um, but we taught our kids and we, we, taught, we've, we told them from the time that they entered that school, we told them, we said, listen, there, there will be things that they will teach you and that they will say to you that that we don't necessarily b- agree with, but we t- here's what we told him. We said we said, but you have to learn that you know not everybody you rub shoulders with in life will agree just like you. When you go to work, when you go to college, when you go to you know when you when you get married, you know other families, you know the the family you marry into, if you know, I mean, there there, there could be all kinds of different beliefs, and you know we told them that's the reason it's important. If you ever have a question. Ask us and let's talk about it and let's let's teach you why we believe what we believe so that so that if you hear something different, you know, you'll have a you'll have that, that foundation to where you'll understand it's okay if they believe something different, you know, on concerning some of those things. And, and through the years, we've, we've encountered some of that where they've had some people come in and teach against tongues or teach against the gifts of the Spirit and things like that. And the boys have come home and tell us. And we, and we always tell them, listen, you know, you don't, make a, you don't make a big scene out of it. You don't make an uproar. You know what you believe and you, you, know, and you have Scripture on it. And, and you go with what the Word says, not what, not what somebody else is telling you. You know, and that's, that's, what, that's what we have to understand. That's the reason that I do teaching like this on Wednesday night because I think it's important. It's great, it's great. You know, preaching is great and, you know, we can all get excited and run around the church and that's wonderful. But, you know, most of the time preaching is not going to dig down and, and get you rooted in the Word like you need to be. You know, you need to be taught. You need to, you need to be able to dig into the Word and say, why do I believe what I believe? You know, why do I believe in the pre-trib. Why do I believe that Jesus is coming back before the tribulation period? Well, if you don't have scripture on it, then you need, you know, you need to dig in and find it. You know, if you can't tell somebody why you believe speaking in tongues is, for, for, you know, an important part of your life, if you don't have scripture on it, you need to find you need to get in the word and, and be able to defend your point, you know? I mean, and same way with salvation. If, if somebody, if an atheist comes up to you and says, "Why do you think you have got to be born again?" What if you don't? If you can't defend it with Scripture, you know it's not a well. Mama, mom, and them always told me that. You know well, that's the way my church believes. Well, yeah, but what do you believe? Amen. I mean you need to be able to defend it. You need and so that's the reason we take time on Wednesday nights to really dig deep into the scripture and try and teach and try to, you know, go verse by verse to where and hopefully hopefully it helps you. I mean, uh, you know, and and that's the way I learned, that's the way that's that's the way the best way I knew how to learn and and so 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 when the Lord called me to pastor, that's you know, man, I mean he put that teaching spirit on the inside of me and that's just what that's what we do, you know, And, and different people learn different ways, but I believe it's important that we that you're taught these things. Amen. So here in Second in Peter, so in saying that, as I was studying this, this, this is one of the scriptures we'll look at uh, later on as well, but here in Second Peter chapter 3, Peter uh, is kind of addressing this, this subject about the second coming, but he says some very interesting things here, and this is what I want to leave you with tonight. And uh, we're just going to read this whole chapter, just, it's just 20 verses I think or something like that, 18 verses, but... But listen to listen you know listen to this from from a pastor's heart from from somebody that's wanting you to understand and wanting you to to uh, to to get the fullness of what's happening in these di- in these times. Peter says this. He says this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir you up. I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. In other words. Peter told him, he said, listen, he said, said, I've, I've, you know, I'm just telling you this again. He says, you should already know this. I want, you know, he said, I'm stirring you up so you'll remember these things. He says, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy, which were spoken before by the holy prophets and by the commandment of, of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, That there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So, so Peter, so this must have been happening in this day. People must have been saying, Peter, you know, you keep talking about Jesus coming back, but man, I mean, grandpas died great-grandpas died and great-great-grandpa died and, and they talked about it and nothing's changed you know that can't be true for today but peter told him he said i'm just wanting you to know that there will be scoffers and mockers and and they're going to come up and say these things but i want you to remember what what peter was telling them. i want you to remember what the prophets told you i want you to remember what i taught you because it's important and he goes to say this for this They willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, we could read that in other translations, but basically here's what he said. That's a pretty cool statement. Here's what Peter said. He said, listen, he said, said, the world that you're living in, he said, by God's word, the earth come up out of the water. And he said, by God's word, the water overtook the earth and, and destroyed it again. Now, what was he talking about? He was talking about creation and the flood of Noah. And then he said, by that same word, the earth now is waiting to be, to be burnt up. Now, what do we know is going to happen? At the end of time, at the end of the tribulation, at the end of, the, the, end of the, the, when everything is over, the Bible says that the earth will be purified with fire and a new heaven and a new earth will come down. So he was telling them, he was like, listen. The the same word that has been taught to you and spoken by the apostles and spoken by the prophets, that's the same word that created the earth and destroyed it again, and now is holding it until the end of time. Until an appointed time when when by fire it will be burned up. And he says, in verse 8, he goes on, he says, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So in other words, he was, he was defending these mockers or, or rebu- rebuking these mockers saying, listen, don't think that just because, just because God's waited and that, that seems like time has passed, that it's not going to happen. He said, because one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is one day to God. The, now I love verse 9. He says, the Lord is not slack concerning the promise as some men count slackness. But he is long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What, so what he said was this. He said the reason that, that God is holding off is because there's still people to be born again. One thing that I one thing that I learned when we we went through the whole book of Revelation, took us a whole year, took us 50, 54 weeks, I think, to go through the whole book of Revelation verse by verse about three or four years ago, maybe longer than that now, five or six years ago now. But one thing that I learned when I went through Revelation verse by verse is how long-suffering God is. He waited and He waited and He waited and He waited and then He waited some more until every single person that would accept Him would. I mean, he, he held off to the very last, and even at the very last moment, he was still holding off for one more to come. Why? Because exactly what Peter said right here, that he's not willing that any should perish. You know, but he's long-suffering. Aren't you glad that he was long-suffering with us? Amen? But then in verse 10, he goes on to say this. Now here's the parts I want you to hear. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, In which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then, now listen to this, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? He said, if you know, if you truly know that, that, Jesus, that God created this world with words, that He destroyed it in the flood of Noah, that He's holding it now in His very hands for that, for that day, you know, that, that it's by His Word, and you know that His Word is coming to pass, and you know that it's a reality, then what kind of life should you be living? Verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto... "...the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we accept uh, according to His promise. We look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness." Now listen to the last couple of verses. This is, I mean, this is some great advice here. He says, "...wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look unto such things..." Be diligent that you be found of him in peace, without spot and and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even uh, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which some things... Are hard to understand. He said, "Man, Paul. He says some of some of Paul's writing is hard to understand, which which they are, uh, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist as they do also other scriptures unto their own destruction. But you, therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, in other words, you know this is getting ready to happen." Beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So I just wanted I, I just felt impressed as we as we just start this series on the rapture and the tribulation and the and the millennial reign. As Peter exhorted, as Peter exhorted the the church that he was talking to there, if we know these things, and guys, I, I believe all of us knowing, I think I know most of you pretty well, and and I know pretty much what you know most of your beliefs. If we if we're believing that Jesus is coming back, and we're believing that that one day we'll stand before Him, you know, at the judgment seat of Christ, which that's a whole other teaching, and we'll get into that. It's not it's not the judgment as far as you know, where we're going to be condemned, the judgment seat of God is actually the reward seat. And it's where we'll get our rewards for the life we live. But if you and I know that we're going to stand before God and give an account for our lives, then what type of life should we be living? You know, one of the main reasons why I believe that God said that He'll come like a thief in the night and that, that we don't know the day and we don't know the hour is because if He told us, and, and every one of you know this is, this is the truth, if he told us, I'm coming on, on November 15th, 2019, then you know what? We would be living life to the fullest until November 14th, 2019. And we, then we'd be repenting just so we'd go, be able to go with him. But what Peter said is this, being that we know these things, church, what manner of life should we be living? You know, how should how should we be living our lives since we know that this is the truth? And if you believe it, and if you believe in the rapture, if you believe that Jesus is coming back, and if you believe He could come back any day, then why not live our lives like He's coming back tonight? Every day, get up with the thought that Jesus may be coming back today. Who can I tell? Who can I share the gospel? Who can, Who else can I bring with me? Instead of saying, well, you know, we've got more time, we've got this, we've got that, and... And, you know, but Peter, I, I just, you know, I just felt impressed to read that scripture to you and just and just encourage you guys how how if if you if you believe in this, then let's live our lives like we believe it. Amen. I think that's good advice. Amen. So let me pray for you. And then if, if let me let me say this too. if you've got questions, uh, we don't have time tonight, but I'll try and finish to where um, in the coming weeks I'll try to finish to where I, I can take questions if you have them. But if you've got questions, make sure you write them down and ask me, and we can, we can try to, and, and I promise you, I don't know all the answers. I promise you that. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, some of y'all are probably smarter than I am in these things. But, but just, you know, together we'll, we'll search the Word and see what we can find. If you have questions and th- something that I confuse you about, um, you know, we'll, we'll find the answer to it. Amen. So, uh, so write down your questions, or, or you know, don't be, don't, don't feel, don't worry about offending me if you ask me a question, because, because I, I promise you, I don't have all the answers, and, and, uh, and we'll find them together, okay? So, so uh, we'll do that. So, let me pray for you, and then we'll go tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the truth of of the coming, your second coming, and the rapture, and and all these things, Lord. Thank you for revelation, opening our eyes, and helping us see this. And Father, and we take the words of Peter serious, Lord, to where, to where we ask ourselves, what manner of life should I be living since these things are true? And Father, help each one of us that we, that we would all live our lives like today is our last day. And Father, and, and to tell more and more people about you and, and live our lives holy and, and acceptable before you, Father, to where we're, where we're uh, blameless and spotless before you. Father, so we love you, we honor you, we pray blessings on each one tonight as they go home. Bless us this week, Lord, as we we, uh, encounter people. Help us to share the gospel and to uh, share the love of God with everyone we meet, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.